Hello! If you're hearing this, that means you get the internet. And if you get the internet, that means you can watch the live stream of the live show that we just did recently. We did a half the Noose Olympian, half Potterless live stream live in North Carolina, and it was an absolute blast for TNO. We did the first two chapters of the first book in the Heroes of Olympus series. And for Potterless, we did an improvised Big Brother format where we put a bunch of Harry Potter pets in a battle to see which magical pet would reign supreme. The video has gorgeous visuals and crisp audio, and it's a multi-cam set up so it feels very dynamic like you were there you can watch that stream until march 17th at 11 59 p.m and you can get tickets at my website shubes s-c-h-u-b.es slash tour again that is s-c-h-u-b.es slash tour to watch the replay of the half potterless half the new Olympian live show that we did recently i hope you enjoy it Hello, it's me, Mike Schubert, the guy that makes this podcast. Before we get into today's episode, there's a few things that happened in the Harry Potter universe that we didn't really talk about in the episodes coming up because they were recorded before the news broke, so I would like to address them here while it is relevant. Two things happened. First, the details of J.K. Rowling's newest Corman Strike book. This is the book that she writes under the pen name Robert Galbraith. It's mystery whodunit type stuff. The plot of that was revealed, and unfortunately, it has some transphobic ties. We allude to that in this episode, but we'll talk about it in depth two episodes from now in the episode covering Potter Puppet Pals with Jackson Bird. So we don't really need to go in detail about that. We'll cover that in a future episode. But something that won't get covered, at least for a while, because the news didn't really drop until after. After I recorded the next set of episodes was the trailer for the upcoming Harry Potter RPG game got released and now there is a lot of discussion about whether or not people should buy the game. This discussion exists because the game just looks very cool. Looks like a solid game. Unfortunately, J.K. Rowling is going to benefit from this game even though she did not have direct input in its creations aside from signing over and agreeing to the use of the Harry Potter world, a license that she has the rights to. Now, I was torn because I didn't know if I should buy the game and then donate to a trans charity to offset it, or if that's not enough, or if that's going to hurt the developers. Thankfully, there was a very good Twitter thread, which I will put a link to in the episode description of this podcast, where a trans woman game reporter talked about how payment for these games work, and basically there is a big argument of, well, you should not buy the game because then you're not supporting all of the people who worked for years on this game. Unfortunately, at least according to the reports that I've read, the people that work for these big companies that put together these games don't get really paid on a commission basis. They're not going to get more money if the game sells well. So you're not really hurting them by boycotting the game. They've already been paid. And unfortunately, a lot of them will either be laid off or their contracts will end once they finish their particular work needed for the game. The only people that really benefit from the game sales are the company itself. So Warner Brothers, Porky Games, etc. And JK Rowling. Now, even if JK Rowling doesn't get a percentage of the sales. We don't know the contracts. We don't know exactly what her payment is. She could have been paid up front. She could get a percentage of every game sold, even if she doesn't get a lot of money from it. She does get more power and influence from it in the sense that if this Harry Potter game sells really well, a lot of companies will be incentivized to work with her and make more things that use Harry Potter licenses in an official capacity. And basically it sends the message that even though JK Rowling is being awful on Twitter and being very transphobic, very publicly, you can still work with her. It's fine. It's not that big of a deal. Now, because of that, I'm not going to buy the game and I'm not going to cover it on the podcast. I'm not telling you what to do. You can do whatever you want. 
I am not here to tell you what's right and wrong. I'm not even saying that I know what's right and what's wrong. I'm just trying to listen to trans and non-binary voices to help guide my action to best help this community. And from what I have seen and read and people that I've talked to, it seems like the best move, for me at least, is to not get this game. Now, if you really do want to get this game, you can get it used after the fact. That way, money's not necessarily going directly to them. Someone's already purchased the game, etc. There's a lot of different approaches you can do to it. This Twitter thread outlines your options. But ultimately, I don't want to cover this game on the podcast because I don't want to contribute to the game's success and then indirectly contribute to J.K. Rowling's success because I think it is very different covering Harry Potter stuff that existed before she was very public about how awful of a transphobic person she seems to be at her core. Whereas now, when it's out in the open, it feels wrong for me to try to support new things that she has a hand in, no matter how indirect it is. So I'm not going to be covering it on the podcast because I don't really want to contribute to more people wanting to get the game. If you want to get the game, go for it. But just for me, it feels wrong to get this game, and that is where it's at. So I just want to talk about that because we're not going to talk about it in this episode or the next one or the one after, and I just wanted to let my feelings out there. I put a Twitter thread. You can go to twitter.com about my thoughts, but that's basically where I'm at. I don't want to spend money or give more attention to this video game and thus J.K. Rowling because I don't want to send the message of working with J.K. Rowling is fine even though she's publicly transphobic. It might just be a little dodgy. No, I would rather her be labeled as a problem to work with going forward. So let's do a 180 shift and instead of talking about a transphobic author, let's talk about a trans charity that I will be supporting because my policy going forward, anytime I do episodes about something that J.K. Rowling had a hand in, I will be donating a portion of the ad sales from that episode to charity. And the charity that I will be donating to for these three episodes covering Quidditch Through the Ages is the Okra Project. It is a collective that seeks to address the global crisis faced by black trans people by bringing them home-cooked, healthy, and culturally specific meals and resources wherever they can reach them. They are a truly fantastic organization, and I'm very happy to support them. If you want to learn more about the Okra Project, you can go to the Okra Project theokraproject.com. And to end this intro on a happy note, let's talk about a group of people that make me very happy, and that group of people is our newest patrons over at patreon.com slash potterless. So shout out to Emily Rebecca, Ania Lenkowicz, Renee Gerchow, Luis Perez, Milo Duncan, and Claire Kay. And shout out to Rachel Wassert, who upgraded their pledge. And of course, an eternal shout out to our producer-level patrons. Vicky, Christine, Aaron, Clown, Marchismo, Samantha, Juan, Rosemary, Marie, Lisa, Romina, Audra, Eleanor, Nikita, Ali, Sarah, Rachel, Zachary, Orchid, Vivian, the Owl, Moster, Alex, John, Noel, Brandon, Claire, Rory, Veronica, Lada, Noah, Tracy, Colleen, Jennifer, Justin, Jacob, Maya, Mark, Polly, Zena, Harlan, Noelia, Nikki, Kine, Amanda, Kafir, Sarah, Marta, Maya, Flor, Siri, Georgia, Skyla, Adele, Professor, Threat, Ellie, Michael, Kelly, Carrie, Connie, Jen, Nedry, Will, Samantha, Aurora, Marcos, Marik, Ashton, Brittany, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny, Heather, Brianna, Kevin, Lori, Chrissy, Jarl, Peter, Sophie, Jen, and Callahan, Leah, Melissa, Bella, Melanie, Becca, Rees, Adam, Joseph, Lily's mom, T-Run, Madison, Tonk, Sabrina, Sophia, Farzan, Melanie, Matt, Okamahime, Boney, Pony, Kelsey, Rike, Taylor, Rochelle, Megan, Alicia, Riley, Laurel, Ross, Ann, Erica, Miranda, Landon, Kendra, Natanya. Yogan, Darcy, Sandra, Craig, Andren, Steve, Lior, Julia, Demi, Michelle, Callista, Lovecash, Jennifer, Crystal, Henrique, Jeremy, Delkis, Katrina, Jerrica, Casey, Megan, Zat, Jack, Sophia, Dan, Rochelle, Kirsty, Robin, Chick, Mermaid, Daddykins, Aaron, Not My Daughter, Yupiacha, Laria, Lori, Gregory, Krista, Kaka, Nina, Ribbon, Brittany, It's Definitely Ludo, Bagman, Ravenclaw, Gavin, Ashley, Grant, Aaliyah, Jack, Serenity, Emily, Haley, Sabrina, Malfoy, Sean, Jenny, Laura, Ella, Eileen, Annette, Kirsten, Ann, Nosh, Brett, Hunter, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Who never pack away their sweatpants because they think, man, I haven't worn these in so long, it's so warm, and then three 
three days later, they have to get them out of storage because it's cold again and they want to wear sweatpants. If you want to be like one of these amazing patrons and get access to bonus content such as director's commentary, bonus episodes, exclusive merchandise, monthly live streams, and more, you can head on over to patreon.com slash Potterless. But without further ado, let's get into episode 144 of Potterless, the second of three episodes covering Quidditch Through the Ages, guest starring Jania Stewart. Hello, Internet, and welcome back to another episode of Potterless, the tale of a 28-year-old man who never read the Harry Potter series as a kid. He read them as an adult, and along the way, he learned about Quidditch, and not only did he have to read about it in the books, but now he has to read a book only about Quidditch. My name is Mike Schubert. I'm that girl man. We're talking about that book today, and back again for another round, the second round of beating the crap out of this book. It is the host of the House of Black podcast, Jania Stewart. Jania, how's it going? It is going. <laughs> <laughs> That feels about 2020. I had someone today that I was calling. I was like canceling a membership service thing. And when they ended the phone call with me, they said, now you try to have a good rest of your day today. And that's just the most 2020 (laughs) way to end a phone call. Because you just don't know it anymore at this point. It could all go to trash so quickly. Just do your best to enjoy the remaining hours of this already too long day in this already too long year. Yes. So we had a fun time going over Quidditch through the ages last time. I'm excited to dunk on it more. I also love that in between our two recordings, J.K. Rowling's book was revealed that uh, her next Corman Strike book is about a man that dresses as a woman and then kills people. So this is fun. Oh, God. Why? She could spend her time doing so many other things, and she chooses actively to do this. Why are we doing this? What At this point, it just feels like... It's almost like one of those things where, like, you know how deep you're in and it's so bad that you can do nothing else but, like, go deeper into it because you're already here, <laughs> you know, like, in the back. She's like, well, I'm here now. Like, let's just, if we're going to do it, we're going to go, we're going to go all the way with this shit. Like, I'm just like, oh, girl, just, you don't have to do anything. You don't have to say anything. You, like, it's like every couple of weeks at this point, she just won't zip it, you know, like. Just stop. We don't need to hear it. We don't need all of this nonsense and hatred and just like, why? Why be an awful person? You don't have to be that. And you know you are. You don't have to be that. Yeah, it's terrible. I was going to do this anyway. I had decided that whenever I do episodes about stuff that J.K. Rowling had a hand in, I was going to donate to a trans and non-binary supporting charity. So now I just feel extra motivated to say that a portion of the ad money from today's episode will be going towards the Okra Project, which is a great charity that is supporting trans people out there. Just feel like if we can do anything to help the trans community that J.K. Rowling is not helping, trying to do my part, it's happening so frequently at this point that it's just not surprising. And even the guy who played Hagrid, Robbie Coltrane, stepped up and supported her. It's like, you played a character whose whole thing was that he was persecuted for something that was unfair and had this, uh, just, I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> it's all trash. Like, I don't understand why, like, even if you did feel like that, you know, like, why, why say that to other people? You know, like, why not... <laughs> Just be quiet because like now senators here are like using stuff that she said. Yes. Like, yeah. So it's like what you're doing is actually hurting people. <laughs> like mm-hmm. this is awful. 
Oh my goodness. I feel so bad for my students that I teach who like have been burning through her books and they're just like, oh my gosh, I love this series so much. It's so amazing. And I'm like, you sweet summer child. If only you knew. (laughs) Uh, If only. So let's just channel this energy towards dunking further on Quidditch through the ages, which is a bad book. Before we move on to chapter seven, there is something from chapter six that we didn't get a chance to go over that I would like to discuss, and that is the 10 fouls in Quidditch. We already talked about how there are 700 total fouls, but they talk about 10 of them, and I would just love to go over them. The first of which is called blagging, which is grabbing your opponent's broomtail. Then there is blatching, which is flying with an intent to collide, which feels like this happens all of the time in the movies. Like, they ram into each other quite often. I'm very confused about when this foul is actually called. Right. Then there is blurting. So we have three fouls with the BL phonics sound. I don't think this is very common. I was kind of hoping that every foul started with blah. That would have been very fun. But it is just the first three, which... Still feels like too many. (laughs) It's so unoriginal. Like, it's just like, okay, this is the best you could do. Like, you couldn't come up with anything. Like, I still don't understand why everything in, like, the wizarding world has to be named, like, something really ridiculous and silly. I don't understand. Like, what, why, why is that happening? But there's, like, no, you would think that the sport would just have, like, really cool names for the files. And as I'm reading the files, I'm like, oh, they've definitely... I've seen these. (laughs) No one is following the rules. (laughs) The other thing with fouls, at least in sports, is that they are normally just named after whatever it is. Right. You usually don't invent a word to name a foul. Think of basketball. There is the reach-in foul. Think of soccer. There is tripping. Think of football. There is pass interference. It's all just normal words. They don't create a new word for the sole purpose of describing a foul. It feels very counterintuitive. Yeah, it's also like ridiculous because if you don't know what these words are, you won't even know what the fouls are. So like, you know, in football, they're like offsides or pass interference or face mask or something like that. And here you could easily just say seizing opponent's broom intent to collide like just it doesn't even need to be whatever this is i can't keep track of all these fouls like this is a lot what's also strange is that this next one blurting is not about what blurting is a real word like to blurt something out but blurting in quidditch means locking broom handles which has nothing to do with yelling it's very confusing. <laughs> yeah, none of the words actually match whatever this is. Right. And even the next one, which is called bumping, but it's got a pH, so maybe it's bumping. That is hitting a bludger into the crowd in order to distract the referee. But shouldn't that be the one where you intentionally try to collide with someone? At least it sounds like bumping. Right. And I'm thinking like if you hit it towards a crowd like to distract... You could call it like a deceptive foul ball or something like, I don't know. Distraction foul. I just, uh, I don't know. It's very confusing. So then there's cobbing, which is an excessive use of elbows. I'm pretty sure they called this in the book at one point. So that's a good one. I know that I feel like the phrase excessive use of elbows sounded familiar. Right. Then there is flacking, which is sticking part of yourself through the hoop. So kind of like goaltending. That one makes sense. Then there's a rule that makes absolutely no sense at all. Haversacking, which is is basically if you are a chaser and you're scoring the quaffle, you have to throw the quaffle through the hoop. You can't dunk it. Dunking is cool. I don't know why it's against the rules. LeBron would never stand for this. (laughs) (laughs) LeBron would never stand for this. I can't think of what advantage you get 
from it. So I don't understand from a logistical standpoint why it's a foul. But then also from an entertaining standpoint, dunks are fun. Yeah, like maybe it's like a sportsmanship kind of thing where like in football, you're not allowed to do end zone dances anymore because they said it was unsportsmanlike. But those are the best part. Like there were players who like that was their thing was whatever their end zone dance was. So I just feel like maybe it's that. But also like, I feel like even if you weren't trying to do it on purpose, like you probably do it if somebody was on you and you just had to hurry up and toss it in and you were like right under it. Like you're gonna do it. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) these fouls are just not like, what is a snitch nip? What is this? (laughs) Yeah, the next one is quaffle pocking, which is tampering with the quaffle. That feels understood. I feel like messing with the ball in a sport (laughs) doesn't need to be explicitly stated. I highly doubt in the rules of baseball, it's like you can't saw the ball in half. (laughs) Yeah, this one, this one is the one that like, Bill Belichick and the Patriots need to have access to. This is the one. They were guilty of quaffle pocket. <laughs> the next one is snitchip, which no one else can catch the snitch. Sure. I don't necessarily agree with this, but okay. And then the last one they've listed is stooging, which we talked about before. You can't have more than one chaser in the scoring area. I will say of all these rules, none of them say that dogs can't play Quidditch. So this does open the door for Air Bud Snitch Edition. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just picturing like the Air Bud Quidditch Edition is literally just like Sirius Black as a dog. Oh, yo! (laughs) Like he just gets so amped about Quidditch like he just turns into a dog and just becomes like the best and no one knows like who he is or that he is an animagus he's just (laughs) this dog's really good at quidditch he gets famous and just enjoys all of it (laughs) so the next chapter chapter seven is quidditch teams of britain and ireland and i will say as we alluded to in the last episode this chapter is actually cool yes learning about the other teams that currently play quidditch is very cool and this is something that i hoped the book would be more about it sucks that we are past the halfway point And now we are getting into actual interesting stuff. I think that establishing more of lore around Quidditch and kind of world building is fun. And I think that a lot of these descriptions of the teams are very fun and unique and interesting. I would have loved to learn more about the teams. Basically, we just get like a sentence or two about each of them. Yeah, I I was wishing for more stuff too, especially just because... I almost wish that it wasn't like a breakdown of each individual team because it just kind of felt like very Wikipedia to me. Yeah. But maybe if they had taken like some of the more notable ones and then been like, oh, and then there's these other ones too, because I didn't need to know every single thing about every single one. Like some of them were interesting. Some of them were not. Also, I think the fact that they have 13 teams and all the others had to just disband, that's kind of odd to me because I'm thinking like, of like baseball teams and NFL teams and basketball teams, there's definitely more than 13. Mm -hmm. If it's only 13, like what is the Quidditch season even like? Like, are they playing multiple games in a week? How often are they playing that 13 is the most that you can have? Because like, I feel like that would mess up if they were trying to do like playoffs or something. 13 is such a strange number that doesn't work. (laughs) Yeah. It doesn't work at all. Like it should be 14 if we're, if you want it to be, but I feel like there should be way more teams in this. And then I'm like, is there like a, like an NQL, you know, like a national. <laughs> like, I want to know about that aspect. Like, I'm just picturing like an any given Sunday scenario, except it's just Quidditch. What's unfortunate is that it's clear J.K. Rowling is not very familiar with sports. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to learn more about the logistics of how the league works. They mention things like the World Cup 
and the European tournament and the the British and Irish League, but they don't really go into the details and everything. That's one of the things I find most interesting about soccer. I'm not super into it, but the fact that they have things like the Premier League and the Champions League and the UEFA Cup and all these different tournaments, I think that's very interesting where sometimes you only play people from the country that your team is in. Other times you play people in all of Europe. Other times you play people across the world. And I think that that could have been an interesting discussion. But yeah, just giving like a laundry list of the teams and telling a little bit about each, it was like a step in the right direction. And I wish that more of the book was dedicated to the world of Quidditch because then these descriptions of the teams could have been longer and we could have learned about interesting players and stuff like that rather than just two sentences per team. Right. And also not, we'll get to like the part where they're talking about like how popular Quidditch is in other countries, but I just think it's just odd that, (laughs) that like Britain and Ireland are like the center of the Quidditch universe. Like I get that they're, they were created here, but just thinking about like, okay, if there is a World Cup, like we have to assume there's multiple, you know, like people around the world um, that are playing this. And it just so happens that in the only World Cup that we see, it's like Bulgaria and Ireland. And it's like, really? In all the whole world, both of the best teams in all the whole world are in Europe. <laughs> like, I feel like the Jamaican Quidditch team has it. Okay, Usain Bolt Ooh. is like on the Jamaican Quidditch team. He's the speaker. <laughs> like, I'm. I know it. I just know it. Like, I'm just envisioning. You know, like Simone Biles is on the Quidditch team and is doing like elaborate <laughs> gymnastics. I love it. Like, I just think it's so odd that basically in describing the Quidditch teams and like the popularity of it, it only focuses on the UK and then everywhere else is like, oh, I guess it's okay there, but like, uh, whatever. It can't be Quidditch through the ages if it's only including Quidditch in this one corner of the world. Yeah, I think what she was trying to go for was an allegory to soccer, where some of the most prestigious leagues like the Premier League are based in the UK and the teams play there and they are some of the oldest teams. I think that kind of makes sense. But if you look at soccer, which is a very, very old sport, now it is spread to all over the world and you have a lot of other very good leagues. You have very good leagues in Spain, in Italy, and then you have countries very far away from the UK that are very good at soccer. Look at Brazil. They are a powerhouse. It goes beyond just Europe. And I think that it doesn't make sense with Quidditch being so old that it hasn't spread. It's very strange to look at these teams in England that were founded in 1612. And then when the narrator talks about the other countries playing Quidditch, they say, oh, it hasn't really caught on here just yet. It's the year 2000 whatever or or at least like the late 90s or whenever. Like, it's been a couple hundred years. This sport should be everywhere. It's not like basketball, which was invented in like the 1900s. Like, soccer's been around forever. That's why it's all over the place. Quidditch should be the same thing. It doesn't make sense that it hasn't really extended beyond the UK and Ireland. I understand why they would be very good, but I don't understand why so many other places across the world are vastly inferior. But I think this also speaks to like just the larger kind of Eurocentric issue that exists like throughout this series, I guess. So like we see what the Ministry of Magic is like only in the UK, um, but we have like no inclination of what it's like in other places. Even the one that appears in Fantastic Beasts, like we don't even really fully understand how that works, you know, like there is a black woman who's the president of the magical community, but in the 1920s in America. So it's just like, how did that happen? You know, like (laughs) what is going on there? You know, like 
so I just think the the parts of this series and everything associated with it that I like are the expansive world building parts where you get a sense of like how connected everyone is to each other and like how people from different places can do magic and how they use it. And it's like, we get close to that, but it's like right when you get to the part where you're like, okay, tell me more. It just, there's nothing. And it's just like, ugh. Yeah. So unfortunate. I agree. And I also have to keep myself in check because I usually run into the issue of being too America centric on this podcast. So I need to take a step back and realize I'm not great at this either. But I do find it interesting that when you look at wizardingworld.com, the website formerly known as Pottermore, they have the whole write up about how there are magical schools all across the globe. And I think that that's unfortunate that there are these magical schools all over and we don't really get to learn about them or how they operate. The closest we get is Goblet of Fire, where we learn about Bo Batten and Durmstrang, but that's it. And we never hear from them again. Like, nope. Nah. How cool would it have been if like we had seen- Oh, like, they show up at the Battle of Hogwarts. Yes, or like if we had seen the threat of Voldemort, like how these other schools were handling it, especially because a literal Death Eater was like the headmaster for one. Yeah. How cool would that have been for like Victor Crumb to come back and he's a werewolf or something? Like I thought that was what was going to happen. I thought Victor Crumb would come back later in the series and be a werewolf because it would make sense for him. It's like a very Victor Crumb thing to do. Crumb but should have been happen. at the Battle of Hogwarts. What the hell are we doing? Absolutely. Like, I was just like, and then we don't get to see, like, Fleur is supposed to be part Vila, but we never see her, like, unleash her powers. Oh my gosh, right! How cool would this, like, could you imagine the Battle of Hogwarts and just seeing, like, a Vila look, like, I wanted it to look like Avengers Endgame, you know? Yes! (laughs) Various creatures from across the universe all coming together to, like, eliminate this singular threat. But, yeah, I just, I love the expansiveness of this chapter and, like, kind of how it makes the world feel a little bit bigger but i think where this series and this book ultimately fails is by being like way too like and even western eurocentric to be honest because it's not even like all of europe it's literally just britain and ireland yeah well let's talk about these teams from britain and ireland the first of which the appleby arrows they are a northern english team established in 1612 they have pale blue robes with a silver arrow on them they once won a 16 day match and their fans used to shoot arrows into the sky after a goal and i thought oh they're probably pretend arrows or magic arrows no they shot real arrows into the sky and they had to be told not to do this anymore because one punctured a referee when i first read this i thought oh it must be like fireworks like arrows but fireworks that they were shooting up and then the next one said it punctured i was like that doesn't even why would anyone actually do that like why would anyone actually shoot for real for real arrows into the sky like i can't even I don't understand. I don't understand. Then we have the Ballycastle Bats. They are Northern Ireland's most celebrated team. They have won the second most championships of all time at 27. They have black robes with a scarlet bat. And their mascot is used in butterbeer ads, which I think is very strange because it would be weird to see an individual team mascot be the spokesperson for something that is so universally beloved Imagine Reese's peanut butter cups are sponsored by the Philly Fanatic. 
and you live in Seattle. Is that that weird looking like orange mascot with the creepy nose? Oh, that's gritty. That's gritty. The Philly Fanatics, the green one that's for the baseball team in Philadelphia, the Phillies. But gritty, the big orange one is for Philadelphia's hockey team. The Flyers. Yeah, that's horrifying. But like that guy on all of the chocolate bars in creation. It's just strange to have a particular team's mascot represent something in commercials. Because if you don't like that team, that would be poor marketing. Right. Maybe it's a regional thing. Like maybe just in that, wherever this team is based. I was thinking that, but the UK and Ireland is not that big. Oh, true. It would be like <laughs> square feet. <laughs> If you made it similar to New York, it's, oh, no, that's Brooklyn's mascot, not us here in Queens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) So then we have the Carefully Catapults. They have vertical stripes of light green and scarlet, which sounds like a horrendous color combination. It is. Their, Their best player was eaten by a chimera. Thanks, JK. Love this fun tidbit of info. That is a baller. That's a baller <laughs> move right there. Literally so great. Like, was eaten by a chimera while on holiday in Mykonos, Greece, which resulted in a national day of mourning for all the Welsh witches. And this is so amazing. Like, this guy, his name is Dangerous. Okay. I don't know how to pronounce Welsh anything, but this dude is Dangerous Di Lulin. And so it's just like, your nickname is dangerous. You were eaten by a chimera. You were on vacation in Mykonos, Greece, which is already baller. Everyone started crying. Like, this dude was the Beyonce of Wales. Like, it's amazing. (laughs) He's the only one with a backstory that I'm like, yeah, yeah, I like this. Is it Mykonos or Mykonos? Uh, It is. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) I don't want to get all the Greek listeners sending you, you know, Harshly worded. Maybe it's Mykonos. <laughs> I thought it was Mykonos. I thought I just heard that. I, who's to say? Who can even say? <laughs> I can say. Hi, it's me, Editing Mike. I double-checked, and the internet told me it's Mykonos. Hooray! Anyway, back to the podcast. But now there is a commemorative medal in this player's name for the player who makes the most exciting and foolhardy risks in a season. It feels like a difficult award to give out. It's not very objective. There's not a lot of stats there. Right, this is definitely the award that Harry would get if they gave it out <laughs> Like, oh, you broke your arm. Like, oh, a bludger was chasing you and you swallowed the snitch and spit it right back up. This seems right up your alley. (laughs) The next team is the Chudley Cannons, one that was definitely mentioned in the main seven books. Apparently, they used to be very good, but they haven't been good in a century, which speaks to me. I'm a New York Knicks fan. These are the Knicks. Used to be very good. Now, hot garbage and have been hot garbage for quite some time. They wear bright orange robes with a cannonball and a CC on it. And their official team motto used to be, we shall conquer, but now it has changed to, let's just all keep our fingers crossed and hope for the best, which I get as a joke, but also no sports team would ever do this. Ever, 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 ever. This is the Cleveland Browns, actually. (laughs) I thought that like the club motto line, I figured that that was like a joke (laughs) because there's no way. Like, I think that the narrator, I guess, is trying to be like, it used to be we shall conquer, but now it's then they that last part is a joke. I don't know. I can't tell. But I felt like I was like, this has to be untrue. Like, this can't possibly be. It's just so wordy. I get that it's a joke and I know what she's going for here. But when actual sports teams have mottos, it's usually like three words at most. Right. And it's always like edgy things about trying to be cool. Or if your team is bad, they try to creatively word things about your team having an optimistic future, like the Sixers with Trust the Process or the next generation, stuff like this. But it's just so verbose. Yeah, it's, I mean, but 
is that not the British way? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> okay. True, true, true. It checks out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pass Mike, making fun of the British again. When will you ever learn? I think we need to give our UK listeners some time to craft their angry emails. So uh, let's give them a bit of a break from the episode with a segment that we like to call Wingardium Adriosa. Today's episode of Potterless is brought to you by Function of Beauty. Let's say hypothetically that you are a professional Quidditch player and you just played a 38 week long game of Quidditch. You just got back, you're really gross, your hair is absolutely disgusting. What is the best way to wash your hair to make it look great and perfect and sheen and have some wonderful shine to it? Uh, that would be Function of Beauty. Function of Beauty is hair care that's formulated specifically for you. No matter what your hair type is, they create shampoo, conditioner, and treatments to fit your unique needs. I bet you're wondering, how unique is it? Well, they have over 54 trillion possible ingredients ingredient combinations to make sure that your formula is as unique as you. And yeah, I think you're one in 54 trillion. It's a really simple process. First, you take a very quick but thorough and also fun quiz to tell them a little bit about your hair. Then Function of Beauty's team determines the right blend of ingredients, and then they bottle your custom formula to order, and they deliver it right to your door in a very cute customized bottle. You can pick your color and your fragrance of the shampoo as well, so you get that extra level of customization, and they got your name on the bottle and everything. It's wonderful. I use it, I love it, Kelly uses it, she loves it, and so is my mother, Barbara Schubert. Hello, Barbara Schubert. It's your son, Michael Schubert. I know your little face, your little smiling face just popped up on my phone and that was so exciting. Well, thank goodness. I'm recording an ad read right now for Function of Beauty. Do you want to tell everyone why you enjoyed it so much that you ordered your own after trying mine? I have wavy, coarse hair that has a mind of its own. I am not in control of my hair. After washing and conditioning my hair with Function of Beauty, I am now in control. Barbara, that was fantastic. <laughs> I didn't even tell you I was going to do this. I just called you on speakerphone out of the blue. Can you confirm this? <laughs> yes, I can confirm that. That was wonderful. You're a great salesperson. I'm going to go and finish the ad read. Love you. Bye. Love you too. Bye. <laughs> Not kidding. That was 100% improvised. So what are you waiting for? Be like me, Barb and Kelly. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash potterless to take your four-part hair profile quiz and save 20% on your first order. That's functionofbeauty.com slash potterless for 20% off and to let them know that you heard about it from our show. That's always good. That helps me. I'm not kidding. So go to functionofbeauty.com slash potterless, get that awesome hair stuff, save some money while you are there and look great even though you played Quidditch for over half of a year today. And now you'll hear words from a few sponsors who make it feasible for me to be a full-time podcaster. Some of these ads will be read by me, others of them won't. The ones that aren't are inserted locally, so if you live internationally, don't be surprised if you hear an ad in your country's native language. And once those ads are complete, we'll get back to this episode of Potterless. This episode of Potterless is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Now, in the Harry Potter world, you have troubles with cell phones in that no one can use them on Hogwarts because technology gets all wonky and stuff. In the non-wizarding world, you have troubles with cell phones in that you can have awful contracts where you get ripped off all the time. Now, you can have a solution to that problem by using Mint Mobile. Mint Mobile sells wireless phone service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and they pass those sweet savings on to you so that you can get wireless plans as cheap as $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. You won't have to worry about overpriced monthly bills or unexpected overages. And also, every plan comes with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. I have Mint Mobile hooked up on my work phone right now, and... 
Every phone call I've had, crystal clear. Every time I've had to use data, very quick. Using hotspots is something that I also get with my plan, and I love having that flexibility. So if you want to ditch overpriced wireless bills, you can do so with Mint Mobile. They have a limited time deal, and you can get a premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash potterless. That's mintmobile.com slash potterless. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash potterless. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. So if you want to solve your muggle problems with phones, use Mint Mobile today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Hey, it's me, Mike Schubert. That's right. I'm the same Mike Schubert from the Potterless Podcast. And if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to hear something similar, well, boy, are you in luck because I make a very similar podcast to Potterless called The Newest Olympian. That is the one that's going on currently. If you get caught up with Potterless, you will see that I only post episodes every month or so. But The Newest Olympian has weekly episodes, and that is a podcast with a similar structure to Potterless, but it's about the Percy Jackson books. That's right. I also didn't read those as a kid. So if you want to hear me going through that whole series for the first time, you can listen to The Newest Olympian wherever you get your podcasts by searching for The Newest Olympian or going to our website, thenewestolympian.com. I've made my way through the first five books so far. I covered the first movie and the TV show. I did interviews with people who made the TV show, and I'm soon getting into the Heroes of Olympus sequel books. So again, that's The Newest Olympian, and you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. So the next team is the Foulmouth Falcons. They have dark gray and white robes with a falcon on them. They play very hard. Their motto is, let us win, but if we cannot win, let us break a few heads. And I support this motto. These guys seem cool as hell. Yeah, it's giving me Detroit Pistons late oh, 1980s. The bad <laughs> boy Pistons. Yes, that's what I was getting from this. I was like, okay, yeah, that's these guys. <laughs> This is Dennis Rodman and whoever else was on the team. Just, they're like, you know what? No, we're not going to win. We're just going to beat people up. I respect it. So the next team is the Hollyhead Harpies, definitely mentioned in the main seven books. This is the women-only team. They have dark green robes with a gold talon on them. And they had a seven-day win. It was a very challenging game. And then a dude on the opposing team proposed to one of the Harpies and she didn't like this, so she ended up concussing him with her broom, which feels like the correct response. Any proposal at any sporting event is always the worst possible decision to be made, so I support her for doing this. I actually really love this because it's it reads as though the guy from the opposing team, like the captain, was so impressed by her performance that he... That's how I read it, is that he was so impressed by like the move she made to capture the snitch that he just got off his broom and was like, please marry me. I like that. I like it. That's canon now. Yes, I love it. And so like when I was picturing this, I actually was picturing that it was like Jenny Weasley and like some guy or something, because this <laughs> seemed like something Jenny would do. <laughs> like it would just be so impressed. Like, wow, this is amazing. Like, let me just, you know. But I love this because I was I could see it visually like it, it reminded me of like in the Incredibles 
when Etna is talking about all the previous superheroes and they show like how they died from their capes or something. Like I just picture a flashback of this woman with this cool, like fifties long, you know, like hairdo or whatever. And she's getting off this broom and this guy just takes his cap off and like runs. (laughs) Just whatever they, whatever dramatics are in fashion in the fifties is what was happening here. So then there's a team called the Montrose Magpies. They are the most successful team. They have won 32 championships. They had a seeker, and the book only lists the day of his death, which feels rude, but he once petitioned for a faster snitch because, quote, this is just too easy. I love this person. They're my favorite player. This is incredible. The spirit of James Potter resides within him. (laughs) Seems like something. Actually, no, this seems like something serious would say. (laughs) So the next team is the Pride of Poetry, which is on the Isle of Skye, which I googled, and that's in Scotland. They have deep purple robes with a gold star, and they had a great chaser that won two titles, and now the daughter of that chaser is on the team, and that chaser's son is in the Weird Sisters, the band. That's amazing. I love that. I think it's a very fun detail. So I, the next one is Puddlemere Puddlemere United. Puddlemere United, the only team with a non-alliteration name. Right. You know, I think they're supposed to be like Manchester United. Yeah, I think they were trying to go after one of the standard ways to name a soccer team. At least in the UK, there's a structure of how you can name your team. You can name your team like Manchester City, Manchester United, FC, whatever, for football club, something FC. There's a lot of similar structure to team names, and then you just fill it in with wherever the team is located or whatever. But they only do this one time in the whole book, and then everyone else has an alliteration name, which I've already been on record, I think is just lazy and not that cute. I think there could have been a whole lot of fun here to play around with the soccer allegory that she's going for and name it similar to a bunch of different soccer teams. But no, she just went for alliteration down the road, except for Puddlemere United. Right, right. But anyway, Puddlemere United, they are the oldest team in the league and they have a theme song called Beat Back Those Bludgers Boys and Chuck That Quaffle Here. And this was recorded by Celestina Warbeck. And I know about this because I did a live show in Atlanta where... Me and Brian from Draco and the Malfoys, a wizard rock band, did all of the music in the Harry Potter world and did as much deep diving into it as we could. And Celestina Warbeck has songs with actual lyrics written out because she's one of the performers at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter theme parks. So she has four songs that she sings with backup dancers. So the internet has the lyrics to these songs so I can read the lyrics to this song. Oh my goodness. Okay, I'm ready for it. It's not good. (laughs) (laughs) From the marshy bogs of Queerditch grew a sport so fine and fair in which each witch and wizard would take flight through the air. We sit and watch and wonder at each game the players play and dream our team will reign supreme. Thus we cannot help but say beat back those bludgers boys and chuck that quaffle here no team can ever best the best of puddle mirror you'll catch that golden snitch with the easiest of ease grab your beater's bat and in no time flat prove the game is yours to seize now this is fine but when i hear this song i cannot help but think of put that thing back where it came from or so help me from monsters inc (laughs) Beat back those bludgers, boys, and chuck that quaffle here. No team can ever beat the best of bottle me. Oh, my God. So I just see Mike Wazowski and Sully playing Quidditch. I'm dead. Oh, my God. 
I agree. So then we have a team called the Tutshill or the Tutshill Tornadoes. They have sky blue robes with a double T in Navy. They have won five consecutive titles and they had someone catch a snitch in a record 3.5 seconds. So this does answer the question we had last time, which is, can you go to a game that is incredibly boring? The answer is yes. I would be pissed. I would be furious. <laughs> like you just sat down in your seat and then they catch it and they're like, ah, they win. <laughs> like what? I feel like of all the fouls and rules that they have, they should have a rule that like, if you catch the snitch within like the first uh, five minutes of the game, it doesn't count or something like that. I was always under the impression that the snitch took a while to even show up on the pitch because you have so many scenes where the seekers are just kind of sitting there waiting for it to show up. So I feel like they should have something where at least let 15 minutes go by. Yeah, I have to believe that this was back when uh, they probably weren't releasing the ball before the mm, okay and it was probably like all right line up and then they open the box and then it's like Go. it's like throwing the ball up for basketball you know <laughs> i think it was something like that and like as it came out of the box this dude was just like got it i dig it so then there's a team called the wigtown wanderers it was started by seven kids of a butcher people in attendance of the matches were very scared to beat this team because of this big butcher that would watch their kids play who's this very large assuming man, and they wear blood red robes with a silver cleaver on them. I want to see a game between this team and the team who says, if we can't win, let's just beat the shit out of people. I want that. Yes. <laughs> and I'm just picturing like the mascot for this team is just like, almost looks like the guy from Mulan who was like one of the, oh. uh, the short one. Yeah. 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 Like him. I picture it's him with like a striped shirt and a meat cleaver and just like, has like a little beret on or something mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and i just picture him just like it's a stuffed whatever the mascot version of that is i like it and they launch like inflatable meat cleavers to the uh to the crowd it'd be very good yeah and then the actual butcher that the team was based off of is genghis khan from mulan as well oh wow i didn't know that oh <laughs> <laughs> So the final team they'd cover is the Wimborne Wasps. They wear yellow and black horizontal stripes. I do know that this is the team that Ludo Bagman played for. So my best friend Ludo Bagman was on this team. They apparently got this team name because during a match, a player hit a wasp's nest at an opponent when flying near a tree, which I think is amazing. And then what the fans do when the, and then what their fans do when an opposing player is shooting a penalty shot is instead of boo or hiss or make some sort of noise, they buzz like bees. So they just go bzzz, which I think is incredible. I want to say that the Hornets do that too. Like at the time uh, when they were in the I went to a couple of games when I was a kid and I feel like I remember that kind of being a thing because like they'd like be like a buzz whatever like on the little screen thing that wraps around the stadium and so I was like oh this is cool but like that's a really good tactic if you think about it because if it's like thousands of people like it's like what the fuck is this it's <laughs> loud it's confusing it's annoying I support it it also reminds me of when I would go to soccer games in France I did not know if this was a French thing or a European thing or what but instead of booing when you normally boo like if the ref made a call that the fans disagreed with or if a player on the other team did a dirty play instead of booing everyone would whistle like whistling and hissing were how people booed which was very interesting i also think they do this at texas a&m university i think hissing is like booing which was which is very 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 strange to me it's a very strange place <laughs> <laughs> college station what what a place I mean, 
their mascot is a thumb. So <laughs> <laughs> let's start there. They fit right into this Quidditch, into this madness here. So it's fun. Oh, indeed they do. So let's go on to chapter eight, which is the spread of Quidditch worldwide. Oh, pass Mike. Let's stop that spread. Hey, everyone else. Also, just stop the spread of COVID. Wear a mask. Please just wear a mask. Let's stop that spread of Quidditch throughout the world because you originally planned this to be one episode, but you talked about Quidditch so much. I can't believe you did that, but you talked about it so much that it's going to be two episodes. This coupled with talking about the recent Harry Potter stuff from JK's book to the video game at the beginning makes this too long of an episode with the other part. So we're breaking this into two. So this is the end of this episode about Quidditch through the ages. The next episode of Potterless will also be about Quidditch through the ages. That will be the final one. And then after that, we're getting into Potter Puppet Pals of Jackson Bird. I'm very excited about those upcoming episodes. But thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to find Jania's podcast, it is House of Black Podcast. They have a Twitter account at House of Black Pod. It's very good. I cannot recommend it enough. Jania, I think, is very funny. And I think she's bringing a nice and unique and much needed perspective to Harry Potter coverage in the podcast space. So I'd recommend checking it out. But thank you all so much for listening. And until next time, as they say in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, when they realize that they have to talk about Quidditch some more, more episodes than they planned. Oh boy, wizard on! Have you ever wondered what the best condiment is? Well, don't worry, because we settled this on the most recent episodes of Head Heart Gut. Head Heart Gut is the exclusive podcast for multi-crew members. If you go to multicrew.club, you can sign up for the multi-crew, and then you can listen to Multitude's exclusive podcast. I argued on behalf of Mustard. I am correct. Amanda picked mayo and Eric Silver picked ketchup. They are wrong. If you want to hear me be correct and them be incorrect, go to multicrew.club and listen to it today. You can join for just $5. Woohoo! Powerless is created by Mike Schubert. It is hosted by Mike Schubert. It is edited by Mike Schubert. It is produced by Mike Schubert as well as Vicky Garcia, Christine, Aaron Johnson, Klaus Lopu, Marchismo, Samantha Rose, Juan Sanfeliu, Rosemary Dodge, Maria Lisa C. Keen, Romina Rivadanira, Audra, Eleanor Curlin, Nikita Power, Ali Madsen, Sarah Nink, Rachel Guthrie, Zachary Polito, Orchid Grower, Vivian the Owl, Moster, Alex Consulver, John Cocker, Noel Basile, Brandon Pickens, Claire Spencer, Rory Collier, Veronica Bartova, Lada Bartova, Noah, Tracy Toya, Colleen, Jennifer Marklu, Justin Montero, Jacob Parrish, Maya Gray, Mark Body, Polly Burge, Zena Rosanowski, Harlan Haskins, Noelia, Nikki Harris, Kine, Amanda Alford, Kafir Shaltiel, Sarah Shedder, Martin Morris and Maya Flor Sake Series Girls for Georgia Davis, Skyla Lily, Edel Ryan, Professor Threat, Ellie Hoskovchova, Michael David Yordi, Kelly Otilio, Kerry Crumpler, Connie Bienkowski, Jen Went, Nedry OS, Will Huser, Samantha Lentz, Aurora Fruhoff, Marco Cepeda, Marie Rieger, Ashton Gabrielson, Brittany Gutierrez, Phelan, The Meadows Family, Ginny from the Block, Heather Langeal, Brianna Cusimano, Kevin Stewart, Lori McDonald, Chrissy Tiu, Jarl Sviven, Peter McGrath, Sophie Duda, Jen and Rose Dab, Callahan and Darius, Leah Reed, Melissa, Rob Bella, Barlack, Melanie, Demi, Becca Spry, Reese Dignan, Adam Graham, Joseph Torp, Lily's Mom, T Run Money, Madison, Don't Call Me an Infidora, Sabrina Balsa, Sophia Loves Pigs, Farzan Jarabat, Melanie DeGrave, Matt Barger, Okamahime, Boney Pony, Kelsey Gillespie, Rike Mangor Jensen, Taylor Payne, Rachel Mobs, Megan Moon, Alicia Chapman, Riley Kiddess, Laurel Happy, Ross Ann Batamana, Eric Butler, Miranda, Landon Schwausch, Kendra Hertz, Natanya Page, Yogan Shanley, Darcy Alexander Harrison, Sandra Rose, Kremick Roberts, Andren Kaufman, Steve Trelore, Leor Nahum, Julia Buzak, Demi Lynn, Michelle Spurgeon, Calista Delano, Lovekesh Longer, Jennifer Terzian, Crystal Pollard, Henrique Wolf, Jeremy Elmore, Delkis, Katrina Smith, Jerrica Law, Casey Canales, Megan Stempen, Zat, Jack Skitzes, Sophia Lyon, Dane Nemcher, Rochelle Unatmaz, Kirsty, Robin Garcia, Chick Parm, Mermaid and her daddykins, Aaron Ugas, Not My Daughter, You Biatch, Ilaria Vicentin, Lori, Gregory Hughes, Crystal Lee, Call Call, Mother Feathers, Nina Jazalek, Riven Monstrosity, Brittany Harper, It's Definitely Ludo Bagman, Ashley Somers, Grant Sohn, Your Friendly Neighborhood Ravenclaw, Gavin Miller, Aliyah Elsar Shobi, Jack Parr, Serenity Allen, Emily Quinlan, Haley Hastings, Sabrina Casanova, Malfoy, You Little Shit, Sean Allen, Jenny Browers, Laura, Ella Levy, Eileen Gazesh, Annette Pipitone, Kirsten R. Cunningham, Ann Peltzer, Nash Sanadiki, Brett Clausen, Hunter Gordon, Steamed Nuggets, and Can't I Potter? Web designed by Kelly Schubert in the music. 
music is by Bettina Campamanis. If you want to find us on social media, you can at facebook.com slash powderless, twitter.com slash powderless pod, instagram.com slash powderless podcast, and reddit.com slash r slash powderless. For any and all information about the show, you can go to powderlesspodcast.com. For bonus content, you can go to patreon.com slash powderless. And for merch, you can go to powderlesspodcast.com slash merch. If you want to tell someone about the show, whether you reach out directly or you leave a rating and review online, both of those really help. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, as I say in the wizarding world of Harry Potter, a wizard on. Hey, it's me, Mike Schubert. That's right. I'm the same Mike Schubert from the Potterless Podcast. And if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to hear something similar, well, boy, are you in luck because I make a very similar podcast to Potterless called The Newest Olympian. That is the one that's going on currently. If you get caught up with Potterless, you will see that I only post episodes every month or so. But The Newest Olympian has weekly episodes, and that is a podcast with a similar structure to Potterless. But it's about the Percy Jackson books. That's right. I also didn't read those as a kid. So if you want to hear me going through that whole series for the first time, you can listen to The Newest Olympian wherever you get your podcasts by searching for The Newest Olympian or going to our website, thenewestolympian.com. I've made my way through the first five books so far. I covered the first movie and the TV show. I did interviews with people who made the TV show, and I'm soon getting into the Heroes of Olympus sequel books. So again, that's The Newest Olympian, and you can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts.